Welcome to Explorations of the Heart and Soul, guided meditations by Australian Zen teacher Andrew Tutel. Find out more at ordinarymind.com.au. Andrew's Zen teachings are made possible by donations from people like you. So during this session, when I'm giving a guided meditation, I generally don't know where we're going to go. So um, unlike the Dharma talks, the guided meditations are more spontaneous and unplanned. But there are always certain themes that repeat themselves. So when I'm giving a guided meditation, I ask for your trust to allow your attention to be guided It's a shared inquiry, but I'm leading it. When you're sitting silently in meditation, you're basically guiding yourself or allowing wisdom to guide you. And um, hopefully Wisdom will be guiding me as well, but uh, sometimes it's a hit and miss process. <coughs> I will be leaving periods of silence in between the guiding, the guidance. So I think when we are practicing Zazen, like I said earlier this morning, it's like a refinement of our usual way of being in the world. We are more alert, but also hopefully relaxed at the same time. And we are attending more carefully to our experience. When we are 
uncovering reality, exploring the Dharma, because the Dharma also means reality, not just the teachings. There is no end to what can be uncovered. In traditional Buddhist meditation, the word for uncovering reality is normally translated as insight. So Meditation, guided meditation, is a shared inquiry that we're doing together. <clears throat> we can enter into dialogue about our findings of our experience in the open circle, if we like. Sometimes it's helpful to think of this practice as a kind of research, it's experiential research, it's research into our direct experience. In a sense, we're always inquiring into or researching ourselves in the sense that it's my thoughts, my feelings, my sensations, not in the sense of an owner or an ego entity, but just the basic minimal sense of self in the sense that if I fall down, Injured my knee, I'm in pain. You fall down and injure your knee, you're in pain, and I'm not experiencing that pain. That's what I mean by the my ness of experience. So, welcome to our Zoom friends. And if you can remember to mute yourself when you join us, that's really good. So hello to David and Michael and Jack, if you're still there. So when we are sitting, we're always basically just allowing everything to be just as it is. It's the, the quality of the way in which we attend to our experience, which 
makes a difference. So we're not trying to change anything. We're not trying to create any kinds of special experiences. But usually when we attend to something, when we give something our full attention, it's kind of like a, one of the ways in which we take care of the world. And when we're paying attention to our experience, we're taking care of ourselves in that way. It's almost a feeling of tenderness that can arise when we're just feeling our experience, when we're just being with whatever we're experiencing in our bodies and minds. With just openness, curiosity, attention. It's a practice of deep acceptance and, you know, the more we practice something, the more it becomes available to us as a way of being in the world. with ourselves and others. When you think about it, just the simple act of being present to this moment attending carefully to this moment has so much potential to be transformative of our lives and the lives of the people we live with. The more we do this kind of practice, the more it becomes available to us in our everyday lives. The more we do this practice, build a kind of memory is remembering. It's like a procedural memory in a way. You know, when you learn to ride a bicycle, you never forget how to ride a bicycle. So the more we do this kind of practice of attending carefully to the moment, then in our everyday lives, we remember more often to be attentive or we notice more frequently when we're out of sync, when we're not carefully attending to the moment. 
that's when we've often become lost in some kind of self-centered thought or emotional reaction or simply lost in the, the kind of some kind of state of mind or mood which is not fully present. beauty of seshin, of being with others, doing this practice with others, is that it's supportive and encourages us to maintain our awareness. Throughout the day, in harmony with us doing that, so it helps us to remember because we're supporting each other, we're mirroring each other all the time, which is quite different when you think about it to our everyday lives when we're either on our own or we may be with our partner or we may be with friends or work colleagues. You're not necessarily engaged in this kind of practice. That's the beauty of communal practice. We're practicing caring for ourselves and caring for others. Not only that, but doing our best to be attentive and caring to everything that we're in relationship to, be it the cups we're drinking from, the plates we're eating on, the beds we're sleeping on, the floors that we're walking on, natural environment also around us, in us. We find ourselves in this world and this world matters to us. I matter, you matter. We care about it. Even if we feel as if we don't care about it, that's a, a reaction to caring about it. Our intuition that we need to be caring about it and we're not. 
the feeling that no one's caring about us. So why should I care about them? When we enter into silence, we meet the world which is inseparable from itself. So the sound of the river in our size and practice. All the sounds, like Durkin say, are the voice of the Buddha. Buddha doesn't discriminate, it includes the sound of the fridge. And in Zen practice, we allow ourselves to enjoy the beauty of the visual beauty of the world. It's okay to open your eyes when you're meditating, if you like, as well. And, but certainly as we go about our daily life here on the retreat, to allow yourself to appreciate beauty that's all around us and the beauty that's in the room in the form of all the objects that we other people have made for us, whether they be the fruit bowls, the fruit objects. That's suchness or thusness. It's kind of like when you just suddenly stop in your tracks and you know, you're stunned by being here. It doesn't have to be a star. It doesn't have to be a flower. It can be, you know, your everyday apple or banana. Or even the dust notes. Everything that is presenting itself to us is the opportunity to have that sense of wonder, enlightenment, awakening, non-separation. It's the beauty of our Zen practice. We don't have to ingest, ingest mushrooms or take LSD to experience that.
So when we are paying attention, uncovering reality, sometimes it presents itself in its stark immediacy, as in a sound or a color. What can stop us in our tracks? But the other aspect of reality we uncover is time. That reality is inseparable from time is basically the realization that change or impermanence is constant. So I don't know if that's um, who that is actually, it might be David. Is it David? Okay. Yes, I'm here. Sorry, I haven't got my mute on. Thanks, David. If you just yeah, put your mute on. Thank you. Welcome back. So for example, paying attention to the breath. We are uncovering the reality of time of change. The in-breath the in that's just gone, the out-breath that's occurring, about to finish and the in-breath which is about to come. That's one of the fascinating things of this body-mind that we experience. facing the future. The past is behind us and the present is ungraspable. Because it's gone before you can even notice it. 
that's the sense of groundlessness in a way that we are. Which sometimes might feel a bit scary, but that's also all of this would not be possible without it. Nothing would be possible without change. Can you imagine living in a universe without change? You can't even imagine it. Life wouldn't be possible. Life is not possible without death. Everything dies and gets reborn. Second, microsecond, one microsecond. So reality is always being shown in its many different forms because of this ongoing process of change. And reality presents itself to us as human beings in a unique way presents itself differently to frogs, lizards, you know, all the other beings have a total different experience of reality than we do. So reality is never experienced as a totality. It's only ever experienced partially. So truth is never unrevealed fully, can't be. Nobody can experience reality totally, unless there is such a thing as a supreme being called God, then maybe he or she, or it does, but we don't. Now, the contrast between the reality of frog experiences is quite different to how we experience. We can talk really about the word world as being the reality that we experience. So the world is what's familiar to us. There's a lot of reality we don't experience. So what we call the world is the reality we do experience. And even as individuals, we experience our worlds differently, obviously. Like if we're in a different culture, a different historic period, then we will experience our worlds differently. Even when we're in the same culture, in the same historical period, every individual here is still going to have a unique experience of the world because we've all had different personal histories. 
But fortunately, there's enough commonality in our experience to be able to come together and discuss it and talk about it in dialogue to develop a mutual understanding of each other's experience as best we can. Coming back to the breath, how precious it is to breathe. When someone's approaching the end of life, how difficult it is to breathe. Let's enjoy our breath while we're still alive. Let's enjoy our lives while we're still alive. One of the wonderful things about Sashin is it is an opportunity to feel alive. Take some opportunity during the afternoon after lunch to have some solitude just for an hour or so. Maybe go for a walk on your own or sit, find yourself a place to sit on your own. As we do a lot of things together in Zen. So that's the, one of the reasons why I wanted to schedule a little bit of free time in the afternoon so that you can just spend some time with yourself in the world and appreciate some solitude. I think that's a nice learning too for our everyday lives. The, um, being with other people, being with people we care about, being with people we don't know, Most of us live lives of being surrounded with other people in more isolated places. Just don't sometimes have the experience of opportunity to experience solitude. We have a family and responsibilities and so on. So again, it's um, 
part of the session experience to have that quality of being with others, but also being alone. Very special thing. Knowing that the people we are with care about us and also respect our need to allow us to sit on our own. It's a wonderful thing for a child to experience that. Being able to play on their own, enjoy their play, knowing that their mum or dad's in the kitchen cooking them lunch. They know that they're, they're being cared for. We're very fortunate to be caring for each other here. Know that we've got people who are caring for our lunch and our dinner. So we can experience the exquisiteness of the time. So let's acknowledge and thank our ancestors for creating this wonderful practice or cultural experience called Seishin and retreat. This has been going on for hundreds of years. Amazing. To create the conditions of possibility to sit in meditation. Wouldn't it be wonderful if all the world's nation states were all devoted to the creation of the opportunity for people to sit in meditation together? We certainly got the capacity to do that. We've got the resources, got the wealth, where everybody could experience this opportunity of sitting, meditating together. Unfortunately, the vast majority of the world's population does not have this opportunity. We do. So we must treasure it. Do not squander it. Really appreciate it. We're very, very fortunate. 